Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Cecilia Moorcroft, who's here to teach us about five quick tips for self-care. Self-care doesn't have to be overly elaborate, expensive, complicated, or something that overwhelms us. And Cecilia's here to help us dig down deep into this topic with her expertise. And who is Cecilia? Cecilia is a meditation instructor, life coach, and clutter coach with over 17 years experience helping women move from paralyzing perfectionism to empowered action through her groups, workshops, and one-on-one work. She has facilitated groups at CBC, the University Health Network, and the University of Toronto on clutter clearing, meditation, and self-care, as well as helping hundreds of participants clear mountains of clutter through her F Clutter online programs. I just want to welcome you, Cecilia. It's wonderful to have you. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. And today we're going to be talking about quick tips for self-care. So let's just dive right into this topic and tell me what is this? What is it that we're talking about when we say quick tips for self-care? So it's this funny thing. When we think of the word self-care, I did a, I did a workshop at U of T about self-care and I was really surprised when I asked people what they thought of when they thought of self-care, the words that came out were so judgmental. They were words like indulgent, selfish, wasteful. Like there was really this incredible judgment around it. And I guess why I think it's so important to talk about self-care is that I think that there is a misconception about what it is. I think we sort of picture sort of going on to a spa or bubble baths or sort of letting go of life and being like, I think we, we confuse self-care with selfish. So how would you define well, it? That's a really good question. I mean, I think at its root, self-care is about really getting in touch with your needs and fulfilling your basic needs. Like, that's really where self-care starts, is starting to have a consciousness about what your needs are. Because I think, especially as women, we it's very easy for us to be disconnected from our needs. So that's part of why it's important. Is there anything else that you would add to that? I think it's to start to shift that lens of awareness from the selfish to the care. Even the word self-care is a little bit misleading. And we'll we'll get to that as we move into this. Like, it's not just about you. It is about where you are in your family, in your community, in work. It has to do with everyone, with yourself and everyone around you. And it is sort of a more multi-layered thing. So tell me a little bit about what often gets in the way other than our attitude about it. Like you said, people are very judgmental about it. They look at it in a very critical way. What could you add to that? I think the judgment is huge. And the other thing that's really big is that we actually, we just don't value it. For the most part, there are things that in culturally that we value, we value work, we value productivity, we value sort of these markers where we can see ourselves moving forward. And there's not a lot of value placed on having a quiet moment and connecting with ourselves and saying like, hmm, like what's happening for me right now? We're not tying this self-care into our other goals and the achievements that we could have if we actually did the self-care. Yeah. And I think what happens is that because it gets left to the wayside, 
we don't make time for it. It's not a priority. We don't value it. Because we don't make time for it, we're walking around with these big gaps in our needs. <laughs> and what happens is that because we value work and we value productivity, we actually end up working on like a half empty tank um, instead so of true. coming forward full and ready to give. Because we don't value it, it actually ends up working against us in terms of the things that we do value. So what can we do to begin to actually claim our self-care, to change our mindset, to be able to take what we normally do in a day and turn it around so that self-care is actually built into what we are doing as we move forward? What would be a way that we could start with this? So I think one place that I love to start is with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. A need is not a negotiable. Like we have very basic needs. And so I love to take a look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we can start by just looking at our physiological needs. So physiological needs are food, water, warmth, rest, right? So starting to ask ourselves simple questions like, am I hungry? Have I slept enough? Am I tired? So you're um, actually checking in with yourself instead of ignoring yourself, because I think lawyers have a real tendency to just barrel on through all of those different things that you talked about, other than perhaps breathing, but everything else is kind of up for negotiation, and we just push right on. Totally. And I've actually seen that with clients, with lawyer clients that I've worked with, ignoring basic physiological needs, like I have to go to the bathroom, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry. And if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's a triangle. And so we have our physiological needs, our basic needs at the bottom. And the idea is that we actually need those basic needs met to be able to move up. So like the next one is safety needs. So security and safety. And then we go into belongingness and love needs. So friendship, intimate relationships, community and then we have esteem needs. We need to be seen. We need to be recognized. We need to be known in the world. And at the, at the top, there are self-fulfillment needs, self-actualization. So achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. We need to have this foundation of needs being met before we can actually get to where we want to go. So if we're always operating in this place where our basic and I think this is very common, especially for lawyers, especially for female lawyers, like just to ignore these very, very basic needs. It's going to be really hard for us to get to where we want to go, both personally and professionally. So you mentioned that we need to check in and be asking ourselves some very basic questions to key into those, those needs that are perhaps being ignored or missed or put aside as we push through. So that's one of the ways that we can claim that back. What would be another way that we could do that? This sort of leads me into some, a framework that I really like, which is called the three A's of change. So in order for us to change something, we need the first A of change, which is awareness. We can't change something if we're not aware of it. So if we come back to these simple questions like, am I tired? You need to know you're tired to be able to do something about it. Asking yourself, am I thirsty? You need to know, you need to have awareness that you're thirsty to be able to do something about it, right? So the first step is awareness. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable to be in awareness, especially if 
if it's something a little bit more complicated, like if our need is more complicated than needing a glass of water, there can be a discomfort and awareness. But it's important, like we can't do anything about something that we're not aware of. So that's the first A of change. The second A of change is acceptance. This is where the judgment piece comes in. Because I think that what often happens is we actually judge our basic needs, right? Like, why should I have to eat lunch? Why should I have to get up and go to the washroom? Like, there's a certain zone that we can get in where we sort of get like angry at ourselves for being human in a way, right? And for having these basic needs. So acceptance is about being with what is. Like, it is what it is. It's not right. It's not wrong. It just is what it is. A chair is a chair. We don't judge the chair for being a chair. We just, it is what it is. So when we can accept what is, then it's going to be much easier for us to get to the third A of change, which is action, right? So if we come back to our example, am I tired? Yes. Can I accept that I'm tired? Okay. It's hard, but I can accept it. It's true. That's not so easy to accept. It may sound very basic, but we often are pushing ourselves beyond to get everything done in a day. So accepting that we're tired and then perhaps going into the next one, which is the action may not be so easy to do. How do we do that? There's something so valuable. Recently in one of the groups I was running at U of T, one of the women was realizing that four or five hours of sleep a night is not enough. Like she's been trying to cram everything in. I got to get my workout in and I got to get my meditation in and I've got to spend time with my family and I've got to do all this work. And she's answering emails at 10 p.m. at night. We had a discussion in our self-care group about sleep and the importance of sleep. And I read a book called Why We Sleep. I I mean, I'm very, I highly recommend that book or even just listening to one of his podcasts because Sleep is essential for our health, for our well-being, to learn, to process, for memory. Like it's, it is a foundational need. We continually (laughs) sacrifice it. This thing of like, when we can accept, I am a human being. And sometimes that comes with education, like really actually seeing in black and white. If I don't sleep, I can get sick. If I don't sleep, I'm not going to learn things, right? Like when we start to recognize the implications of not getting enough sleep, for example, and because I'm a human being, I need sleep. There's something that can switch. So it was really interesting to see with this one woman in the group, because it's like something switched in her thinking where she was in recognizing that sleep is important and recognizing that that's something to value she started to value it and started to make it a priority in her life. I think that's a really important point about this whole process because the reason that we do this isn't that we're, you know, slow to understand. I think we all understand that we need sleep. But what happens is that we value what we're achieving or doing more than we value the basic need. So then we have to get our minds around the concept that we are human, that we do need this and and the biggest kicker for me is that you will actually be better if you do this because then you have the energy and the ability to carry through in a much better way but at the time when you're doing it you have to get to that pain point where it's worse to continue on than it is to stop it's true and it is 
painful, even in my own journey with sleep, like just taking sleep as an example, like I've always been an under sleeper and I had to make it that that was my new year's resolution for 2020. I had to put that in at the front and it was really interesting to see like when I made that a priority, my husband was like, I just want to let you know that I am a hundred percent for you making sleep a priority because you're such a nicer person to be around. Right? It's like when we actually start to take care of ourselves and care for our needs, it, it does, like, as you said, it makes us better at all the things that we actually want to do. Yeah. I think you just touched on a bit about time containers for self-care, like actually setting aside the time. So how do we do that? Because we don't value self-care, we don't make time for it. And so there's a tool that I use in all of my work. I definitely use it in my clutter coaching work and I use it for myself all the time, whether it's something that I'm resisting doing. We tend to, if you look at your calendar, you're starting to see like, what do you put in your calendar? You put appointments with other people. You put things that you need to do, accomplishment tasks. And so there's an invitation to start to harness that towards more towards the self and to more, more towards self-care. So really simply, sometimes, I mean, it's this funny thing because we need to take care of ourselves. We need to take breaks. We need to go to the bathroom. Like there's things that we need. And when we don't consciously give those things to ourselves, we tend to steal time, right? So you go to the bathroom and you end up looking at your phone for a while and you stay in there a little longer than you normally would. Or we, we start to steal time in ways that aren't particularly fulfilling, playing a game on your phone, playing solitaire, like kind of like numbing activities. And there's something really powerful when you can consciously turn your awareness towards. So very simply, like right now, you could just pause this, set a timer on your phone for five minutes and just do nothing for five minutes, right? So you're consciously taking a break. Imagine that. It sounds a bit boring and unobtainable. How do we do it? I'm curious about this boring and unattainable. I want to hear, I want to hear more. (laughs) Well, personally, I would find it hard to sit for five minutes doing nothing because I can, I, well, I definitely would be thinking, but being still and sitting there for five minutes isn't necessarily a self-care type of thing for me. So I'm just curious, do you need to make a a mind switch to get to there? Is it something that everybody should be looking at as self-care or is self-care really about taking the five minutes that you personally don't find numbing? Yeah. So it's not, it doesn't have to be just sitting there. That's an example, right? So you can set a timer for five minutes for 15 minutes. You can sit there, you can stare at the window, you can read a book, you can consciously look at your phone, you can call a friend, you can move your body, you can go for a walk, you can have a snack. Like there's, it's whatever, it doesn't actually matter so much what you're doing. It's that you're doing it on purpose, so it's right? the consciousness, so the, the consciously doing part that makes the difference. That's the part that's really important, that you're consciously, instead of stealing time, you're consciously taking time for yourself. And is that what we mean by time containers for self-care? Yeah, like that you're literally setting a timer because 
there's something that happens when we set a timer, it creates a container. When we have a container, there's something to hold us. If we're not consciously saying like, I'm going to take this break, I'm going to go outside and look at the sunshine, go for a walk and talk with a friend or whatever it is that you decide to do. It creates this container where we actually get to receive. I mean, it's interesting. It's like with gifts, people wrap gifts. They put the gift in a box, they wrap it up. It's in a container. It's like more special, right? If somebody just hands you something and, oh, here's your present. There's something about when it's contained, very clear, like this is a present. There's something to receive in that. And there's something that can hold us in that. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. But I'm curious, do we just put this as the day goes by and we just say, okay, we're going to take five minutes now? Or should we be scheduling this in as part of something that we want to achieve in a day? So for example, we want to take five minute break every hour or that type of thing. So we schedule it. Or do we say at the beginning of the day, you know, I'd like to have this amount of time and I'll just do it whenever I can fit it in. What's the best way of doing this to get the best results? I would say both. There's a woman named Rachel Baxter Cook who deals mostly with entrepreneurs, but there's something that she has called the model calendar, which is sort of like, it's not your day-to-day calendar, but it's, it's a general calendar of how you use your time. And one of the things that I love about her approach to the model calendar is that the very first thing that you put in there is time for yourself, the time that you are not working, the time that you're spending with family, the time that you're spending with friends, your personal time. And so that goes in the calendar first. And then you start to build in the other things. Then you put in the time for personal development, for business development. If you're working for somebody else's, this would be like your bigger projects. First, you're putting in personal time, then you're putting in these bigger projects that are really going to move you forward, move your career forward. And then you put in time for other people. And what we usually do is we have it completely opposite, right? We put in other people and then we put in work and then we try to sort of like fit ourselves in around that. And so there is like this, this invitation to have a mind switch and really like schedule in, this is my time for me. How do we reward ourselves to keep ourselves going as we try to make this mind shift? Because I can see, for example, if you really don't even recognize your basic needs on a consistent basis to change your mindset to something where you're putting yourself first and, you know, putting that into a calendar might be a bit challenging. So what can we do to kind of make a a small step towards this or some type of built-in reward that allows us to really see it? Because when we were talking earlier, it was about how the value of something is not seen. So we need to get to the point where we're actually seeing the value of this so we can make a mind switch and continue on with it. What would you suggest? Oh, I'm curious about this. Do you have something in mind? Like what would work for you in terms of a reward? What a great question. I don't know (laughs) what would work for me because I find I often push through these types of things, exactly what we were talking about before, you know, pushing sleep, pushing rest, pushing the basic needs, like a glass of water, I've started to get better at it. And I am trying to educate myself that it isn't as productive to do those things as I think it is. So pushing through isn't necessarily the way to do it. But on the other hand, I find that sometimes 
we have to push through, even though we're not going to be getting those rest things and everything else that we need, because we have those deadlines, we have that pressure, there's too much to get done in a day. And I know we can be more efficient. But at some point, we just have to push through for some of those days. So stepping back from that and just looking at a more ordinary day, I still have to get my mind around that that's an ordinary day. And that it's okay to step away, be more productive and happier. I mean, the thing that I want to just bring here is that I, I would like to push back a little bit and challenge you a little bit that even in those, like when it's really crazy and there's a deadline, is it actually true that there's not time? I have my glass of water here, that there's not time. You're on the phone, you're on a call to take a moment and take a sip of water. Right. And so it's like, we want to start shifting because I think it's very easy to get into all or nothing thinking. And that's why I really love the small time containers, right? One minute, one sip of water, a stretch. You're busy, you're feeling tight, you're feeling tense. A stretch, right? A sip of water, a movement. Start to bring it in in these incremental ways. And it can be helpful to have a little timer. I know that some people have with their Fitbits or Fitbits ask, tell them to move. You can build these things in that your phone gives you a reminder to move, to have a drink of water, listen to it. Because even if, if your back is against the wall and you have a deadline, you can take 10 seconds to take a drink of water. Okay. That's, that's excellent. I think that would be very helpful to keep in mind. We haven't really talked about connection. What about that in terms of this? I think in terms of the, when you asked about reward, the first thing that I thought is that one thing that can make this easier, because we do have this kind of lone wolf mentality. We think that we have to do things alone and that self-care is like something that we need to take care of all by ourselves. And one thing that can really help you're finding it difficult is so like in this group that you run if you women start to create a culture where you encourage each other where you yay high fives like i i was really tired and i took a 15 minute nap yay <laughs> like when we can start to celebrate because what happens is like we celebrate the accomplishments that are sort of deemed worthwhile and we don't necessarily celebrate the little things. So it's, I drank a whole glass of water. So that's one way, like, so getting your community on board, getting people on board with what you're doing, letting people know, letting your family know, I'm trying to work on my self-care a little bit. I'm having a hard time. Sometimes it means asking for help, right? Sometimes, and I think especially as women, we tend to sort of like hold all these pieces, especially if you have a family, if you're partnered, you're holding all these little pieces of what's happening with the house, food, this, that, everybody around, you're sort of like holding all these things. And, and so sometimes it's stopping to see like, what am I holding? Do I need to be holding it? Could I get some help here? And I guess I just want to acknowledge that that can be vulnerable and that can be challenging. So what can we do with our breathing? What kind of techniques could we use there to help us? So there's a technique that I love that's super simple and you can do it right now. And it's called slow down, let go breathing. So I can just lead you through it. We'll do it very quickly. You can do it with your eyes open. You can do it with your eyes closed. 
And I just want you to start to bring awareness to your breath. So you don't need to breathe in any special way. You're just breathing and just bringing awareness to your breath. So you're noticing the sensation of your breath as you breathe, the temperature of your breath. You might notice that it's a little bit cooler on the way in and a little warmer on the way out. You might notice how your body moves as you breathe. So inviting you to just get curious about your breath. And then as you breathe in, slow down. And as you breathe out, let go. So breathe in, slow down. Breathe out, let go. And so you can sort of hold this as a mantra that every time you breathe in, you slow down. Every time you breathe out, you let go. So what I love about this tool is that you can do it anywhere. You're waiting in line somewhere. You do a little, you're getting, you're feeling anxious, right? You're starting to feel yourself get anxious. Just notice your breath. It's so funny with breathing because it's one of these things that we're always doing. Like you said, it's other than breathing, we don't take care of our needs. It's because breathing is automatic. We don't often notice our breath. And so sometimes just that very simple action of bringing awareness to the breath can start to calm something down. And then it's almost like a mantra. Slow down, breathe in, slow down, breathe out, let go. You can do it while you're with your children. You can do it while you're in a meeting that's pushing your buttons, right? If you're going somewhere, if you're in between things, it's a nice tool to have in your back pocket. If you're having trouble falling asleep at night, breathe in, slow down, breathe out, let go. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love that one. And you can obviously do it for longer. I've done this with many groups and people have come back and said, even just 10 seconds makes a difference because what we're doing is we kind of interrupt. We interrupt the usual train of thought. We interrupt the usual emotional response. And it just gives us a literally a breather. And we're giving ourselves a quick self-care in that. So that was five different things that we've gone over. So just to reiterate them, we talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the three A's of change, time containers for self-care. We've talked about connection and community. And the last one was slow down, let go breathing. So those are fantastic. Is there anything that you would expect us to be able to achieve if we were able to do some of these to implement them? What could be our expected results? The way that I experience it, when I start to actually take my needs seriously, and when I start to value really basic things like eating (laughs) and drinking, drinking water, sleeping, it creates a bit of a buffer. It's like there's a sense when we're feeling really squeezed, there's just not a lot of wiggle room. And so when something goes wrong or something's really stressful, it's like we don't have that slack or that, that room to be able to flow. And so starting to bring these things in, it's like you can expect to have a little bit more flow in your life, a little bit more, yeah, roll with the punches. <laughs> a little bit more of a buffer to be able to weather some of the things that we're undertaking right now and dealing with. So I just yeah. want to thank you very much, Cecilia. It's been wonderful to have you today. Oh, so nice. So nice to connect with you. Thanks so much. For Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.